Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hey parents, Jack and Claire's Children's Boutique in Oxford features the latest brands of baby and children's clothing, shoes, toys, and accessories. Check out Jack and Claire's Facebook page too. Jack and Claire's Children's Boutique, West Jackson Avenue next to Belk. Celebrating the amazing people of coastal Mississippi and across this great state who are working hard to make this a great place to live, work, and play. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show. I hope you're having a great day as we continue to celebrate the people who are making this place such a great place to live, work, and play. Hey, listen, uh, recently I shared a... a um, quote from uh, Lady Bird Johnson. And uh, what I get, I get a newsletter every day that kind of gives me significant events that happen in this month at you know some point in history. And, uh, and so uh, Lady Bird Johnson actually died in July of 2007, but she said the clash of ideas is the sound of freedom. And I made the point with Craig Ray that I wish we would just have a clash of ideas, you know, it's, you know and then we could uh, have a drink together after it's all over with. The po- polarizing world that we're in today, it's really unfortunate, but I love the, the notion of the clash of ideas as the sound of freedom. But actually in that same newsletter, uh, I also saw where To Kill a Marking, Mockingbird was published in 1960. And uh, I'm really pleased to say that when I was in Alabama as the president of the Alabama Media Group and, and publisher down in Mobile, that I I was able to uh, get a signed copy of To Kill a Mockingbird from Harper Lee, who is actually from Alabama. She, you know, most people may not realize this. She was born in Monroeville, Alabama, and uh, she won a Pulitzer Prize uh, with that book. And so it's just uh, such an important book. But I've got my own signed copy of that. So anyway, so many other points in history, but we don't have time to to talk about history because we're going to celebrate leadership today. And I want to uh, I want to invite my friend Jack. Wrigley, who's the chief legal officer for Singing River Health Systems and a recent One Coast Award winner. And uh, I look forward to letting you get to know her better today. How you doing, Jacqueline? Hey, I'm well. Thank you for having me. Listen, I have watched so closely the happenings at Singing River. Um, you know, the healthcare system in general is, is, is up against so many challenges. And as we've discussed here on the show, this whole notion of the Board of Supervisors and the Board of Trustees coming to the realization that they needed to seek, at first it was either strategic partners or maybe even a purchaser of Singing River, which ultimately led to the purchase of Singing River, was a bold move on their part. I think the right move, when you think about, as uh, as as I've learned, the, the notion of the incredible capital expenditures that are necessary to make a hospital like Singing River, you know, stay on the cutting edge, among so many other issues like the, you know, the the changing insurance industry, and I mean the list goes on and on. But as uh, as someone who came into Singing River and started an in as you know built an in-house council uh, office there, you've learned a lot about these subjects, haven't you? I have. That is exactly right. More than I ever really expected to learn, but here we are. Yeah, and at the same time, you've had way you've 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 found ways to be able to give back to the community, and you know that's one of the things. As I said so many times on this show, when we started the what the what at the time with the Sun Herald Leadership Awards, which now in this twenty first year. Um, we get an opportunity to hold leaders up as an example. We want you to inspire others. We want to show them through your story 
what they can learn, and maybe they will find how they can fill a niche in the community as well. But you know, you, you've uh, you've got a house full of, of kids and dogs, and you've got your work cut out for you. You've got a very successful um, you've got a very successful career. Uh, you've had a great run as a as a lawyer, as a litigator, and and here you are still giving back to the community. How do you find time, and where? T- talk to me about where that commitment comes from. Um, so, well, one, it clearly comes from the number of hours I'm able to sleep on any given night, and so um, I would like to find a way to claw that back some. But you know, maybe that's in my my next chapter. But I think it's just a matter of being as efficient as you can. I mean, I read something many moons ago that, you know, I have the same number of hours in the day as, you know, any of the Elon Musk, you know, for example. And so if he's been able to, now granted, my brain does not work like his, and that's probably a good thing in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, if, if successful people are able to accomplish, you know, big things in the same amount of time that I have, then, you know, what's important is ensuring that I'm using every moment productively, meaningfully, intentionally. And so, it's really easy, I think, to get distracted in our, you know, day-to-day world with, I had to, you know, put my inbox down. I mean, I've probably got 100 emails just in sitting here for 10 minutes and, you know, put my phone down because you get constant text messages or social media. And so really think it's about sort of harnessing those things for good, but not letting them dictate, you know, how you live your day or your life because it will, it's a derailer for sure. Jacqueline, one thing I say on the show a lot, because I think it's important, and that is that, you never arrive uh, that life's a journey and that the more we learn, the better, the more we better learn how much we don't know. Mm-hmm. And that this notion of, and it, it, I, I often said that as a publisher because gosh, being a publisher and, and being involved in so many different topics simultaneously and whether you're running the business and the first amendment obligations, the work that you do in the community, the more you learn, the more you learn how much you don't know. And that, that, that process of being humbled about that is what keeps you focused. It amazes me that some people find themselves in a position where they feel like they've arrived. And I think the moment you feel that way is the day you start sliding backwards because sure. you're not keeping up. But if, you know, if I, if I had to say there's a quality shared by the leaders that I talk to them on this show, it's that they, they get that. And when I look at your story specifically, you, you, I mean, you have come to the realization that, that you're going to commit yourself to trying to understand how to stay on the cutting edge. And then the, and we talk about legal slash healthcare system, in an ever-changing world that we're in as it relates to both of those, uh, it takes a lot of work to stay up, doesn't it? Sure, absolutely. But if you're not learning, you're dying, in my opinion. And so one of my favorite attributes about myself, if I'm allowed to say something like that, is just curiosity. And so when you stop asking questions and looking for new information, then I think you're right. I mean, you start to slide backwards. And so I tell the folks on my team all the time that um, while there is 1,000% such thing as a dumb question, Questions in and of themselves are super important. And so to sort of harness that curiosity and use it for not only your betterment, but for the betterment of whatever you're doing is, is really just a, a key function of, of being successful on a, on a team or in whatever environment that you find yourself. Yeah, I think about being a, 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 an in-house counsel for something like Singing River and to think about labor law i think about you know the 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 sort of the understanding the governmental and regulatory uh, situation that exists 
um, just understanding healthcare and how the, how that ever changing thing is taking place. Um, when I was in my prior work role as a CEO, the law firm we worked with, we didn't own them; they weren't in-house counsel, but they sure. only had one client, and that was uh, my my company out of New York. And there were forty lawyers in that in that uh, team. You know, they were copyright and trademark lawyers, and I mean every specialty you can imagine. But the one I w- spent the most amount of time with, as you, it was, and it won't surprise you, was the labor lawyers. And mm-hmm. you know, personnel matters and HR sure. matters. But you know, in the wake of uh, the the pandemic and what you got, I mean, the, the you guys had to learn to turn on a dime from a labor point of view, and mm-hmm. that's probably been one. I mean, I know you just went through an acquisition; you're still going through an acquisition. But outside of the the noise surrounding that and and, how, and sort of dealing with that transformation, uh, the labor side of it in the healthcare industry is a very very dynamic place, isn't it? Absolutely, no, it absolutely is, and I think COVID really changed the landscape of what it was like to be both an employer and an employee. And I don't know whether it was a good thing or a bad thing, but when I was still in private practice, it was in the midst of the pandemic, and I don't think any lawyer was as busy as a labor and employment lawyer because you know the Families First Coronavirus Response Act was passed. Employers didn't know what the heck to do with, um, you know, leave with unemployment. And then folks were, you know, there was a lot of money injected into the unemployment systems. And so that had sort of a ripple effect on the working population. And then in healthcare specifically, I transitioned here in August of 2020 and, um, and people didn't want to work in the you know four walls of the hospital. I mean, it was a scary place for somebody who was, you know, touching patients. And we had a lot of sick people and we almost ran out of ventilators. I mean, that's a, that's a a big load for somebody to bear who already is, you know, a compassion forward individual if you're caring for patients and and taking care of people. And now, um, you know, we are competing with California for IT folks because everybody is taking it to the house. You know, they're working from home and, you know, wearing the business stuff up top and pajamas on the bottom. And that's just the way that the world works now, you know, and so they don't have to come into the the hospital anymore to do their jobs. And as a result, they can earn wages that are sort of inconsistent with what the market commands in Mississippi. And so that's a challenge. I mean, I think we spent maybe 20 some odd million more than we had budgeted in our last fiscal year as a result of labor. And some of it is the just the turnover. And so turnover is, is expensive. It's more um, efficient and affordable to retain your folks. But then on the clinical side, I mean, there uh, was a nursing shortage that was already sort of a, an issue that was bubbling up. And then you exacerbate that shortage with what the, you know, sort of post-pandemic landscape looks like in that there were all these travel opportunities. And so then as a result, we were losing our folks on travel contracts. And so we had to bring in folks on travel contracts. And, you know, that gets incredibly expensive, you know, very quickly. And when you are spending so much money that's unbudgeted and unplanned on something as important as you know, folks who are here taking care of patients, then um, it means you can't invest in other places. And then that creates sort of cultural challenges because you have the, the pay disparity between your full-time employees and the travel employees. And gosh, the dynamics of that are so, so incredible. Hey, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation on the other side with Jacqueline Wrigley, a recent uh, one Coast Award winner, and she is head of the legal chief legal officer at Singing River Health Systems. And um, we'll just continue the conversation. We'll see you after this.
listen live or on demand and watch episodes of the Ricky Matthews Show on your laptop, desktop, or your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His passion and love for coastal Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. One of the one of the wonderful opportunities I have is the the, the opportunity to, to circle back and uh, have on my show the award winners for this year uh, for the One Coast Award, and 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 learn from them, get some inspiration from them. When we went to when we went to break, we were talking with uh, Jacqueline Wrigley, who is the chief legal officer for Singing River Health Systems, about some of the challenges they had, uh, you know, on the labor side of things as it relates to, to COVID. But you know, one of the things I remember. I had, gosh, I had so many incredible memories about my time when I went to visit Lee Bond during the pandemic and went to ICU and spent some time in the in the um, uh, emergency room. This is when you guys had you know actually had COVID patients on ventilators in the in the ICU. Excuse me, in the ER. What I remember about the time there was that the people who not that the whole team was working really hard, but the thing that really stuck out was the long-term tenured employees that I came in contact with that were still there and still there today that were just given everything and, and all this other stuff, this, the, the traveling thing and the turnover and all the, but they were, they were just hanging in there, keeping, you know, the glue, keeping it all together. That's inspiring to see people in that moment to, to be committed to their, to their profession, isn't it? It, I mean, it's incredible. And I'll tell you that, I, you know, I'm 37 years old. I like to think I have uh, some runway ahead of me, you know, wherever that may take me. But I don't know that I'll ever have a professional privilege as great as this one to work alongside folks who, you know, day in, day out, give their blood, sweat and tears to fulfilling our mission of improving health and saving lives. I mean, it's incredible to sit back and, and watch. And, you know, we do our best to try to recognize some of these folks, but gosh, I mean, it, it's impossible to recognize everyone who's making such an incredible contribution. And so healthcare is one of those places that it makes you want to, you know, pull your hair out because you like you touched on some of the headwinds that we are encountering on a, on a daily basis. But then sort of in addition to that, I mean, it really is inspiring to just see the dedication and the commitment and compassion that these folks bring to the table just every day. You know what's interesting? Okay, this is kind of a way to to get to know you better. I, wondering wondering about this question, but the world that you're in can get so overwhelming because you you are dealing with an acquisition and a transition that's about to occur that is in the process of. Uh, and I know you can't speak specifics because you you're not able to, but. And I'm not asking anything specifically about the acquisition, but it's just that things can get overwhelming. How is it that you, how are you able to kind of make sure you step back enough so you see the big picture? You make sure that you understand the incredibly important role that, that Singing River plays in the, the overall community and really the, the, the overall role in the state, but, but both in terms of healthcare, in terms of leadership in the community, when you look at the employees and, you know, how they give back to the community, how do you, how do you make sure that you keep it in perspective? Because that, that's the key to a good leader that can, can have all the noise of the daily grind, but also always remember how, how all the pieces fit together. Sure. And I mean, I think that that is largely just looking at the sort of overall 
operations of the health system. And I think that there are tangibles and there are intangibles associated with that. I mean, we've got to make money because we've got to be able to invest back into our infrastructure and our physical plant and all that good stuff. We also have to take care of people and deliver an experience in such a way that makes them want to come back to us, that makes folks want to stay here and work with us when they have plenty of other options. And so, you know, one thing that my department really takes seriously is just a level of approachability. Like I want every person within this organization to feel like they can come into the legal um, the legal department. You know, we have responsibility for compliance, risk management, and a whole host of other things. And if they see an issue, even if it's just a dissatisfier that isn't quite a regulatory problem, you know, I want them to feel the, have to have the license to come in here and raise that with us. Because if we don't know better, then it's hard to do better. And so, you know, we really try just, you know, my team and I really lead from example, um, we like being here. And I, I think that people who enjoy what they do and like where they're doing it, that becomes a little infectious. And we're just one department. And, you know, we're not touching patients. We're not taking care of people. But I like to think that what we do is in the background that allows the folks who are doing that good work to be able to do it safely, to be able to do it compliantly. And, um, and you know, as a lot of times people look at us as being the department that costs money. But really, I like to remind them we're saving you lots of money because of all the problems that you're not encountering because of the good work that we're doing behind the scenes. But I really think it just is a matter of, of um, you know, staying focused on sort of the good parts of it. And, you know, there are frustrations no matter what you do and where you do them. And so having a good team, being surrounded by folks who are just enjoying the day-to-day, most of the time, at least, I think that that really helps to keep my, my mind clear enough that I can prioritize and and handle the, you know, it's like drinking water out of a fire hydrant sometimes, but it's never been so much fun to drink water out of a fire hydrant than it has been here. Yeah, I would have said the same thing as a CEO. That's, 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 uh, I would have said it very much the same way you said it. And that is that I really enjoy drinking out of the fire hose and it was coming in wild, you know, fast and furious, but you know, the ability to triage, you know, you think about how medical officials have to triage, uh, your ability to sort of triage problems or, or opportunities and being able to sort through those quickly to understand what's really a problem and what is not a problem, you know. At the end of the day, to be good at what you do, whether you're a chief legal officer or a chief financial officer or a CEO or whatever, it's your ability to solve problems. It's sure. the ability to recognize something could be a problem and really sort of dealing with it before it becomes a problem. But, I mean, that's, that's the, if you go back in your career and what you've been involved in, uh, you know, your former former board member, president of the board for the for the um, Walter Anderson Museum. But whatever you've been involved in, it's it central centrally usually is focused around solving problems and, and addressing the opportunities, really. But that's that's your stock and trade, isn't it? One thousand percent. And it's uh, it's a blessing and a curse sometimes because I'm so, um, you know, I'll use curious because that's sort of like a less self-deprecating way to describe myself. But, you know, I see a rock. I look under a rock, and then when I know what lurks under that rock, I can't just ignore it. You know, it has to go on a list, and then I have to prioritize it with all the findings from my other rock exploration. And so I've sort of done that, you know, consistently across each chapter, both professionally and then from a community service standpoint. And once you know about problems, then you can solve problems. And I like to think that I might not know everything, but I'm really good at coming up with questions that we need to ask and identifying the folks who have the answers and then coming up with a plan that allows us to 
to execute. You know, I'm very into details. I'm very into to progress. And so, um, you know, with the Walter Anderson Museum, I was president at the time when we underwent a national search to find a new director, and we ended up hiring um, Julian Rankin. And I just can't. I can't be more proud at sort of what that has turned into in the years that he has led the museum in just such an incredible way that blows past everyone's expectations. And so, you know, I've done something similar here with Singing River, and it's just, um, you know, again, it's a blessing and a curse because it started with just a department one. It was just me, and now I have close to 40 people that roll up under my umbrella, and I'm involved in every, you know, big conversation and scary thing that, you know, occurs in healthcare. And, you know, that's, um, there's a lot that comes with that, but it's incredibly rewarding, and it's just, you know, I, I'm going to do this no matter where where I am. I've at least learned that over my professional life. And so uh, I might as well look for problems and find ways to solve them with people who are as incredible as the folks on this team. Yes. I often said that if you want something done, find a busy person to do it because they've already proven they have the ability to, to uh, prioritize and kind of project plan out the things they need to be worried about and concerned about. Um, Somebody told me that, Ricky, but they said, they said it in a way that if you want something done, find the busiest mom that you know, because they really have <laughs> that next level ability. So I agree. I just, you know, just going to add a little I bit. Agree. Hey, man, I, t- I tell you, I watched my wife, Ann, in, in action over over 36 years, and I can't agree more. I mean, she's uh, – actually, it was a, there was a moment after I retired, and I was sitting at the dinner table – at the kitchen table with her, and one of my kids called, and she had them on the speakerphone, and I listened to the conversation they were having. And I literally started to cry, Jacqueline. And Ann said, what are you doing? I said, are these the conversations that I missed? I watched Ann as the CEO of my family just – it was incredible. It was just, and she 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 handled these things, and I was able to go and do my thing. And wow, what a! I would never minimize any woman for the work that they had to do, whether it's being a stay-at-home mom or whether it's have a career and do both. But uh, man, you're right about that. That's a very compelling statement you just made about find a busy mom. Hey, listen, you said about Julian Rankin, and uh, I did not realize that during your chairmanship, you, you guys located Julian Rankin. Um, Vicki Vicky, uh, Barrett-Applewhite at the time told me, you're not going to believe who we just hired. And um, eventually, I met Julian, and Julian's been on my show since the, you know, since that time, many, many times. And listen, I have had responsibilities for newspapers in five states. I've been deep, deep, deep in communities beyond Mississippi. I've never met anybody like Julian Rankin. His ability to describe the role that the museum plays in the community, the sense of place that it brings, the beyond the museum, the role that he plays in leading develop. You Know, community development, his ability to describe Walter Anderson's impact—it's it, unbelievable. But uh, I wish we get—we had a whole another show just to talk about that. But hey, Jacqueline Wrigley, it's been a pleasure to get to know you better. You are a force to be reckoned with. Uh, I can see why you were selected as a One Coast Award winner. Keep up the great work. Good luck through the transition. Uh, whatever happens to you, it's going to be fine because you're quite a talent. Right. Uh, That's right. Person. We all yeah. land on our feet, no matter how. I appreciate you having me. It's you bet. It's been a pleasure. It really has been. Hey, we'll see you right after this break. We'll have another one because uh, award winner. We'll see you after this. Subscribe for free to the Ricky Matthew Show podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. A Super Talk Mississippi yeah. media production.